With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Justin Roberti, and I, I have apparently taken over moon or bust <laughs> like a virus I, i'm still I, here but my nose is my nose is bleeding just as bad as the markets right look, now look, look so. at how ryan sacrifices for us just so you guys know that ryan is out there and that he is okay there he is he, he has a little bit of a nosebleed at the moment it's fine we're all all good vibes to ryan like let's like like and subscribe for ryan having a nosebleed and this still is all for you guys <laughs> All right, I'm gonna clean up my face, Justin. I'll be right back in yep. a minute or two. It's, That's cool. it's slowing down. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and, and uh, I just want to welcome everyone uh, to uh, the Mooner Bus rocket ship, as our good friend Logan, who is traveling today, would normally say. So I'm, I'm here to fill in for Logan. Um, uh, your home for all things crypto up and Zynga. I am, of course, Justin Roberti. You've seen me guest host a couple of times before. Um, I have a uh, crypto podcast coming up as part of the Benzinga lineup starting next week as well. So you'll be seeing more of me. But uh, we're, I'm a uh, Benzinga special ops reporter. Um, I, I do a, a Friday column and do other pieces to see if I do a lot of interview driven stuff. So today we, we're going to be talking to... Um, we're going to be talking to a crypto influencer. We have a, we have an interview coming up with us, uh, so that's going to be cool. Stick around for that. It is is David Gottstein. Uh, he's an influencer, and he also works in partnership with uh, with Benzinga. He uh, founded the Hodel Gang community. We're going to be talking about regulations. Of course, the uh, Biden executive order just dropped this week. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about the state of DeFi networks. If if you haven't if you haven't already uh he's had as ryan has some issues with the nosebleed valuations perhaps well it, it could be it could be we, we've we've seen some heights right although not as much lately um but uh yeah I, also like if you haven't caught it this week have you noticed that ethereum is now the third most popular DeFi network if you judge it in terms of uh the amount staked which actually i mean this kind of blew my mind i was just taking a look at Luna, because I'd heard it had had a lot of upward activity this past week. It didn't quite break its record, but it got up to around 100, um, which doesn't quite beat the December 2021 high of 106. But um, as I got into it, I saw that what was behind this is um, essentially uh, Terraform Labs at this point has surpassed uh, Ethereum for the, for the number two spot in terms of overall amount staked. Um, and although everyone's kind of recovering from their price in December, yeah, LunaCoin right now has, uh, LunaCoin's hanging around $94 and they have 26 billion staked at this point. Solana, of course, remains number one with 32 which puts Ethereum in third place with 24. 
I mean, like, you know, all, all love to Ethereum. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying trying to cast stones at Ethereum. I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's a funny thing because if you think about it, I mean, <laughs> how you doing there, Ryan? I, it's not going away, but I, I made a fix and I'm here. So, you know, we're going to live with <laughs> it for just, now. It's just jury rigged. Um, all right. So, so uh, thoughts and prayers for your, for your nose, Ryan. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> but uh, I think it's crazy because like, you know, just even the way we talk about DeFi networks, like what we mean by alternative DeFi networks is basically alternative to, to Ethereum when demonstrably, if you're talking about an amount staked, which is, you know, actual positive activity in the community, um, uh, you know, they've just been beaten out by Terra. Uh, what do you think of that, Ryan? Well, this is what I have to say to that, Justin. I'm an ETH maxi, so of course I have my case for Ethereum. There's not as many platforms on Terra Luna, right? So people will stake and get their 7% interest, and that's all great. But there's so many other things to do on Ethereum. People don't have 32 ETH to spend on a validator node anymore. That's that's one point I have. Uh, but they're too busy buying NFTs, right? So they don't have their 32 ETH to stake. But I'm pretty sure there's no minimum on Terra. So anyone can go in and stake their Terra Luna uh, on the network. Whereas with Ethereum, you need 32 ETH, which not that many people have. That's a lot of money, right? That's like $80,000. Um, but aside from that, I mean, we have Aave with $20 billion locked in it. And we're talking $30 billion staked on, on Terra Luna uh, and about $28 billion staked on Ethereum. And then mm -hmm. there, there's Uniswap with billions of dollars of staked in it too. So what I would say to that is the ecosystem is so much larger on Ethereum that there's more options that you have to do with your tokens. Whereas on Terra, you know, one of the best ways to make a, a interest, make returns on your Terra Luna is by staking it on the network. Right. But I think that the gamification around like, like the trade-off between uh, Terra tokens and Luna tokens and the way that burning uh, Terra tokens is an offshoot of, you know, working with like uh where the burning luna tokens comes from as a deflationary measure when uh to bring the price down like for its tether with usdt i, I think that there's there's so many options there to participate like there's there's a lot within that universe in terms of, like it feels a little gamified to me to tell you the truth but in this case i think that's a good thing because it encourages participation the, the thing is I, I i i love ethereum everyone and by the way uh Jonathan, you're you're right. I just looked at Coin Market Cap. Uh, Coin Market Cap. Um, it says it's at 90 right now. When I was checking my article two hours ago, it said 94. So yeah, I guess it's having a little bit of a of a downward trend. When I checked it two days ago, it was 97. So I guess it's slipping a little bit. But um, no, I, I like the thing is, man. When are we going to see more? And like, why why should we be looking to uh, Polygon and, and Solana for, for these more built out communities when Ethereum is, is you know, Azura High in this case. They're, they're the, the prince that was promised, the chosen one by the community for so long now, all the hype for, for all the years. Um, you know, they shouldn't be having to play catch up to alternative DeFi networks. So what's going on? When's Ethereum 2 going to spit out something to blow our minds a little bit more? So I heard a thesis on this a couple of weeks back that I thought was really interesting. And it's that Ethereum started out decentralized because that's the hardest aspect to solve right. of the blockchain trilemma. Because right. once you have a centralization of power, it's really hard to take that away from those people that are in power. It's much easier to build out an ecosystem and, and solve scalability, even though that is a huge problem that's really hard to solve. It's easier to do than taking away power from those in power. 
So that's why I like Ethereum more so than some of these other coins, because although they may reach that scalability and have those technological advances right now, it's it's not sure that they're going to actually be able to decentralize the way that they may want to in five years from now. Mm -hmm. Well, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. You uh, you had a, a, a Bored Apes uh, item that you, that you were going to talk about, I believe. Yeah, uh, let me clean up my face because I think my nose has finally stopped bleeding. Um, but why don't we talk about the executive order, Justin? If you could give us a rundown on what happened there, I'll put you full screen, clean up my face, and jump right back in. Okay. All right. <laughs> that would be like a, a fireside chat of, of, of <laughs> us describing the executive order. Actually, I, I watched like Pomp and I watched Ben from BitBoy uh, talk about. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. I'm good. I was. I'm just chattering now. I, I watched Pomp and 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 Ben from BitBoy. L love Ben. Great guy. Uh, anytime I've ever dealt with him, love him. Uh, talk a little bit about about what it meant. I, I read the order. I read the breakdown of the order. I mean. Like the bottom line to me is, I don't know, maybe this metaphor is just funny to me, but it it's, reminds me of, you know, like the order takes a, on a, a pretty positive aspect in that it's what it's really doing is defining the roles of the government agencies in exploring different kinds of potential blockchain and Web3 technology. So, of course, this is a political machine that we're talking about here. They're going to put things in a positive way. But you know, for us, it, it's kind of a win as soon as lawmakers even know like what we're doing, it's just that it, it also kind of spooks people a little bit, right? Cause we don't want too much. Uh, we don't, we don't too much want too much regulation. I know that two parts that they're going to look at are, are going to be, um, you know, environmental impact. And uh, it, it's, it's free to feel like that's you feel free to feel that that's not fair. If, if you like, I mean, you know, everything has, a, has a carbon footprint. I heard earlier today that tumble dryers use up more power than, uh, than, than crypto and that's that might be true i don't know but like i still think it's something that we're going to have to deal with and take seriously as part of our mainstreaming essentially that like that's they've made it clear that that's what's going to be required of us and the other thing is to be really forthright around this ukraine thing i mean bear in mind these are not people who are necessarily in the know about about what we're doing and how crypto works but they know enough right now to be slightly dangerous and they they are uh Trying to make sure that uh, oligarchs cannot uh, cannot hide their money and work around sanctions. So, like, I think we're going to have to show really good faith on those two issues because of the optics. I mean that from a purely, uh, you know, promotional point of view. Like, we are all ambassadors to crypto in our own way. So, right now, this is a lot like uh, having your parents come and visit your college apartment. It's a little bit uncomfortable. It kind of freaks you out a little bit. At least that's what I remember. Um, Ryan, Ryan is yep. much closer to the experience <laughs> than me. But at the same time, you know, you, you play nice because you kind of need them to help fund you and stuff. Um, well, because they're, they're your parents. But uh, so I think it's a little bit like that. Like, I think for the most part, the attention is uh, is positive. I think, a two, I think two issues that are going to and have stuck in the craw a little bit of the crypto world are the idea that we're, we're going to be held to some sort of account. There's some sort of accounting that's going to be made around the green issue. And, uh, you know, right now I wouldn't necessarily want, I wouldn't want to be Binance. I wouldn't want to be in the position of, uh, you know, like being on either side of like one of the biggest cyber warfares that's ever happened, by the way, like, you know, so crypto is definitely playing a role like the pandemic. It's also adding to like people knowing about us, which is net net a good thing in terms of bringing people into the space. But we're being scrutinized. So we, we have to pay some attention to that. 
still overall the order is for the most part positive uh, it looks like you know more regulation will helps will help standardize and uh and frankly make our investments more steady and i don't think that we'll get to a hundred thousand dollar mark without it like they're make they, they are adopting us they are making us part of the system sometimes the initiation process like a lot of initiation sucks but you know we have we have to uh be ready to put our interview face on and represent our community if we want that sweet sweet you know high price range getting mm-hmm. <laughs> it back up toward laser eyes right what do you think ryan yeah, I think you make a really good point. We need this regulation if we want to go mainstream. And it's kind of funny because so many people in crypto are libertarian and they hate regulations. And for good reason, sometimes it hurts innovation. But as long as they do it smartly, I think it's a good move. I was surprised to see how many people actually supported this executive order. Do you know why so many people are, are supporting this executive order? Because it seems like they really are going after a lot more regulation. Um, is it like the, the wording from the executive order like takes crypto much more seriously than before is maybe my understanding that might not be the best justin you know more than me and joe joe was a very middle of the road he has a very middle of the road approach you know like like he he flies under the radar in a lot of ways i don't think he's trying to put a, a big attitude around this i think he's trying to approach i don't know cautiously having read it I, I hope that they're being sincere. I hope that they, they I hope that they want to engage with the Web3 community and and learn from us. And I, I hope that that is what comes out of it. You know, um, I, I think that people want the structure of, of regulation as long as, especially if we can keep the SEC out of it and remain uh, a commodity. Essentially, I think that's kind of where we need to be. And at that point, you know, like uh, we, we have kind of arrived in terms of mainstreaming. We've been accepted as as a thing, and then then we'll have to deal with that. Like that, that's where it's all going to come from. But that's why I think it feels positive. I also wonder, Ryan, if there isn't an undercurrent of uh, the Ukraine playing in on all of this. Like I remember thinking from the very beginning when I think it was I don't want to get wrong. I think it was Binance was Binance that uh, objected to. They were like, no, we do not want to hand over all uh, the the names of everyone on Russian on Russian accounts. Yeah, that um, was finance. And and I I totally understand their point and how it is antithetical to some of the, uh, uh, you know, some of the precepts of of what decentralization and and the autonomy of identity and so forth, things that are just endemic that are that are part of our our understructure in crypto. It's it's that's that's totally true. But at the same time. Um, you know, people are very, very, the whole world has circled around uh, around Ukraine and, and the struggle that they're going through, which is very real. 100%. So I, think, so I think in some ways there is also a sense of like people don't want to appear to be standing against that somehow. I mean, in answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we saw, you know, crypto raised like $30 million last time I checked for Ukraine. So, I mean, there's good and bad on both sides for sure. Yeah, but after Ukraine announced that airdrop, I mean, the, the donations spiked like crazy. I bet they've raised 40 or to 50 million now. Um, like I said, they raised 30 million when I checked like a week or two ago. Um, yeah, so that's absolutely. great. I mean, that's the power of crypto right there. I think it's really being showcased right now um, in plenty yes. of different ways for good and for bad. Um, but even, even when it's showcased uh, to get around sh- sanctions, like you said, um, it's still not necessarily like inherently bad, right? It shows the use case of crypto. Right. And what it's meant to be that nobody can control it and you still have true ownership of some type of asset that nobody can take from you. Right. Definitely. And, and you know, like uh, crypto has also played uh, a really positive, helpful role 
in terms of uh, getting donations to the, uh, Ukraine. I, I believe that uh, Zelensky's government has said that they prefer to re to receive it that way, and I think they've re received the bulk of their donations that way. So again, it's just like another thing that like, even like the pandemic, it's not about us, but it makes crypto like really important all of a sudden. It makes people know what's going on or what we're about a little bit more. A hundred percent. So Justin, I want to get to the Sport API Club news. It's pretty controversial. Let me share my screen with you guys uh, so I can pull up the tweet here. But Board Ape Yacht Club made a big announcement yesterday on Twitter as actually doing a Twitter space on NFTs um, just the other day when they tweeted about it. Let me, let's see, Inception. Okay, can you see it now? Yeah. Okay, so Board Ape Yacht Club yesterday, they tweet F it again, and there's a link here. But before we go to that, let's just see what they say here. So they've been building with Animoca Brands, which we've talked to before, huge VC firm. They made the Sandbox and a few other metaverse games that are widely popular. Um, and they've been making a play-to-earn game with them. But they said it's not this. So it's not, not the play-to-earn game that they're creating, and it's also not this. And then they, they quoted a tweet about Ape Token. So it's not Ape Token, and yeah. it's not the play-to-earn game, but something's brewing. Something is big. Let's see what it is. So we go here. You register. And then you need to give your passport national id and driving license as well as your name family name selfie date of birth address proof of address email and ethereum address so remember this is all held on a centralized server and all of this information will now be tied to your cryptocurrency wallet uh, for better or for worse but it's very controversial news i'm kind of surprised that they did this but they are working with animoca brands a huge firm in play to earn gaming who has done kyc before I'm sure a lot of these apes are going to be pretty mad about it. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to do it. I don't know if I want all that information attached to a centralized server um, that might be breached in the future. You know, it's a lot of information to give out, especially when you don't know what's happening. Like they just said F it again and then sent a link out. If, you, if you've learned anything in crypto, if I've learned anything in crypto, it's to never click a link and give away your information. Sure, this right. is Board API Club. But I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet. I think I want to wait and see what it's all about. But yeah. I don't want to wait too long and miss out. Do you think that this is a case of them uh, trying to, you know, valid, like work with a partner from outside of our, in, outside the blockchain in industry that uh, maybe has a different idea of, you know, consumer privacy? Because you sign up for EA, you sign up for Steam, anything like that. Honestly, they, they own you. They have all your information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Animoca Brands, for a little bit of color, they were actually a huge app developer on iOS before they switched to Web3. Right. So they have a lot of experience in Web2 developing different types of games where KYC is completely normal. And right. they do implement KYC on some of their Web3 games. So, I mean, not surprising because they did work with Animoca Brands, but, mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't really fit with the ethos of cryptocurrency and being anonymous or at least pseudo-anonymous. Right. Well, I don't know. It's it. I, I think it's a really tough uh, balance to walk. I I have often wondered why uh, why be. I mean, now you you see projects advertising that the the heads of the projects are doxed because people are are so sick of uh, of rug pulls. And actually, I, I hate that usage of the word dox because dox used to specifically be a very bad thing. So uh, you know, but like it it is it is so strange that like 
you've got you're trusting people with these transactions on kind of a blind basis and you don't even know who the project leaders are a lot of time and yet that's been like a virtue for the past year or so uh, that kind of thing makes me feel like i'm i'm old because i just don't get it yeah i mean the board api club founders weren't doxed until like a month ago and it wasn't even their choice it was buzzfeed that doxed them right. and now they're coming out a month later and asking everybody who owns one of their nfts to dox themselves so it seems yeah. a little bit hypocritical right right yeah no, that's true um, so, so that's cool. I, I, uh, you know, I, I originally started reading the, um, it was funny. I start, I started reading the, the Biden executive order when Logan posted that, that picture of like, uh, the beginning of the order that was like dummied up. So the, the first line item was that you're not allowed to wear board ape yacht club paraphernalia anymore. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, what? No, wait, really? No, I, mean, I guess I thought it was a joke, but I was like, now I have to see what it really says. <laughs> But no, of course you are. You are allowed to wear board of yacht club stuff, but you're not allowed to say uh, GM say it back anymore on Twitter. Sorry, guys. That, that's that. That's been made a made a mind. No, it's not. It has. <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. I don't. I don't get. To me, again, I'm old. I'm verifiably old. But um, like GM say it back just sounds kind of like uh, like a little bit demanding, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I love you. Say it back. Exactly. No, I, I don't exactly. even know who you are. I just follow you on Twitter. I'm not exactly. I'm not it's, like, it's like everybody's tweeting to their high school girlfriend or something like that. Like <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I have caught myself saying GM to the normies lately. I will just you know, send out GMs, but you know, gotta spread the crypto culture. I, I do but, my part. But I think here. the normies have cracked the code. I think yeah. they know. What, I think they know what GM means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too hard to figure that one out. So um, tell us about uh, who we have coming up again, Ryan. Who's who's coming up on? Um, yeah, we have we have David Gokstein with us backstage right now. We might as well get into the interview here shortly. But he's an influencer, has acquired over six hundred thousand followers on Twitter. He's involved in a ton of different projects, NFT projects, cryptocurrency projects, uh, as seen on Fox News, as seen just about everywhere on the internet. And Benzinga has been lucky enough to have him as a contributor here at Benzinga now. So we're working together. Lots of stuff in the pipeline that I'm excited for. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to bring David up here. David, how are you? I'm going to fix this. What's going here on? Second. Hey, David. Mike. There we go. There you What's go. going on, guys? Now you have I a can't see anything, but it's... A yeah, I mean... It's it, it, now sitting in, in, the, uh, in the most... Uh, the, the specific area in town that will best support Wi-Fi. We, we identified <laughs> it scientifically before the uh, before the interview. We're a hardworking group here. I, I got to tell you, I literally just drove around everywhere possible to try to get a connection. I'm so happy, though, to be on the show today. We're totally happy to see you. The picture froze up for a second there. Okay, good. Good, we're back. So, um, you know, you've been you've been in the game for quite a while. When when did when did you start? When did you start, David? Uh, I mean, in the I would, uh, give, I would give it. Uh, I don't know. I'm old. I'm, I'm a. Me too. <laughs> Somebody told me about Bitcoin when it was a fraction of a penny. I was like, ah, that's stupid, and walked away. Forgot about it for twelve years. You know, it's it's funny, like you know, I had people tell me, "Hey, uh, into this," and uh, one of my friends into this, got to get into this, and I was like, "Please wait for me, man. I, I don't uh, listen to your World Warcraft story." 
<laughs> but then you sit back and annoying me, annoying me, annoying me, and I and I stuck into it. And uh, some I appreciate him. I'll, I'll never give it back to him. <laughs> you know. Well, that that's awesome. I like uh, to ask everybody everybody their aha moment. Um, you know, when did you when did you realize this was going to be a big thing, man? That was going to change your life. That was going to change the world. I think I realized in probably 2014, 15. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, this is something really, really good. And I think that this will, you know, decent to me is like, is what everybody truly wants. And I, and I sat back and I was like, if enough people to this, it will, and that is, you know, doors down. Uh, example would be El Salvador, legal tender. I mean, that it's crazy from a standpoint looking at Bitcoin from in 2014 till now to see that happen. I mean, and we're still, oh, that, that is repetitive and people beat it early, but truly we are early and people are, or, or countries, I should say, are trying to take it on as legal tender is a beautiful thing. That, you know, my realization part where we can go ahead and trust again, that was my, okay, I'll look to this and I'm going to dig deeper and understand everything about this technology. Because to you, that means freedom and autonomy, essentially, like the, the ideal expressed in the white paper. It's like David's frozen here. Oh, no. Or he's thinking very deeply about the question. Yes. <laughs> Pondering his thoughts for a minute here. Oh, that's kind of a shame. It's so good to talk to him, too. Let me see if I if I take him off stream for a second and, and throw him back on. Can you bring him back on his audio? Would, I, would that help? Mm. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's crazy. And I guess Tara is moving around all over the place. I, I uh, It was funny to saw that it, it had dropped since I, I checked it like two hours ago. I mean, I guess it's when Coin uh, when uh, Coin Market Cap updates. But I, I was, you know, I, I low key knew a little bit about Tara and Luna. I mean, I, I'd, I'd seen it around, but until I looked into it, I had no idea how deep the project was. I, I, I It actually was uh, kind of fun to write about them this week. Yeah, quick coin market cap check. Let's check out where Terra is as well as some other coins. So right at $90, that's pretty mm -hmm. good. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if I've seen Terra at the seventh place actually ever. It probably has been there, but I mean, that's pretty high up for Terra Luna. We don't see it that high usually. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually barely in the top 10 if, if in the top 10. Uh, do you have your eyes on any other coins, Justin, while we wait for David? Um, no, not at this point. I, you know, I'm mainly trying to, uh, to track uh, uh, Ethereum and, and Bitcoin and kind of see where the bellwethers are, are going to go. Um, you know, there, there are a few other smaller projects that I like. Let's see what I'm trying to follow this week. I've been really studying uh, the, these alternative networks. And, and I have to say, like, my interview with Polkadot, my interview with Polygon, both of those interviews impress the heck out of me i mean i'm incredibly bullish on both of them but it feels like so is just about everybody else <coughs> but having talked to the projects themselves they're impressively smart and to tell you the truth um 
you know, originally I wasn't really trying to to necessarily talk to Binance about uh, BNB change originally, but I, I had a friend who, who moved over there, and uh, I'm glad that I covered them. They're actually up to a lot. Like now that they they've added some functionality to be able to get a do DeFi on their network and so forth, it, it actually like considering they have so much awareness and such a big footprint, they, they might really uh, like they're already, I think technically the most used blockchain and exactly like uh, Gemini and the Winklevoss brothers with their, uh, with their um, metaverse project, which they, they swear they're going to reach a billion users. That is uh, that is um, their stated goal uh, over at BNB uh, BNB chain, uh, which is how they prefer for the name to be said. Um but yeah, BNB chain there, they're looking to have a billion users. I mean, there's only a little bit over 5 billion users on the internet right now. So so this is this is a company putting a stake in the ground that they're going to be big, like, uh, you know, like Amazon kind of big, right? Like, it, I mean, but it, like there, there is activity going on around there. It's very interesting stuff that they're up to. Yeah, a billion users uh, is a huge yep. number. And yep. we got David back here. David... How are you doing? Is your connection better? I swear, like, uh, this is ridiculous. But I, I do apologize. I, I, I should have been by a PC by now, but caught in traffic. So All good. Uh, I'm hoping cool. that we got 5G service here. All right. I'm glad that you're with us again. Um, so, you know, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been up to. You know, the HODL gang community. You are the founder of the HODL gang community. Um, tell, tell me what, tell me what that is. I just saw that in your bio. I'm curious. Somebody put it in there. Like I, I will not take claim to that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I started hashtagging the huddle gang and like, you know, we, a bunch of people started doing the same. Listen, man, I, I honestly, at the end of the day, I, I believe in Bitcoin. Yeah. So uh, like it's, it's more than gains for me now. It's bigger than that. So, like, when people talk about price, I don't really care. Like, I'm not affected by it. I don't right. look at the charts every day. I'm not a trader. Like, I'll buy and hold. I'll DCA all day. If it means I have to buy at 30, if I have to buy at 40, 35, that's what I'm doing. But I believe in Bitcoin itself and what it has the potential of doing and what it's doing now. So, uh, for me, it's, it's all about having these hands that are diamond like if you took an x-ray you would see diamonds in these hands because i am not letting go of these bags for sure david but i've been doing a lot you know g media obviously started that five years ago to dumb down the content for cryptocurrency because you come into the space a lot of the stuff that was being pushed out there was you know it wasn't in layman's terms. Nobody understands C, C++. Nobody's a coder. People are coming in here. The, the first thing they're thinking about is, how do I get rich? You know, right. then they don't know what Luna, you're talking about Luna today. Mm -hmm. You you go ahead and show them Luna, they'll get confused. Nobody knows what, how Luna works. Right. I love Luna. I have Luna. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You put it all together for somebody. You just lay it out there for somebody. They're like, hell no. Show me the meme token. That you know, so like for me, it was like, okay, we need to go ahead and come out with something where people can come to us and get some literature that is dumbed down so they can understand from the ground, from the starting ground. And then if they're interested, they can go ahead and obviously move on up. Right. 
That's awesome. David, you mentioned that you started in crypto back in 2014 and 2015. And I'm curious what the ecosystem was like back then. So I started really late 2016 and in 2017 just with Bitcoin. And to me, it was pretty boring because I wasn't really looking into it. I saw Bitcoin. I knew what it was. I bought some held on to it, started trading. But it really wasn't until 2017 with the ICO boom where I actually started you know, messing around with Ethereum's ecosystem, you know, seeing what's coming out. So what was the ecosystem like back in the day, 2014, 2015, when you had Bitcoin and Peercoin and, and Dogecoin and, and basically every coin had coin in its name? It was, uh, I would, I would agree with, it was, it was boring. It wasn't like this right now. Like right now the space is, it's exciting. You've got NFTs and I call NFTs as a, I think as a secondary sector of crypto. So like for me, like it was just, yeah, I would agree. It was boring. If you weren't, you know, if you weren't accumulating Bitcoin or stacking stats, excuse me, or, you know, getting it to eat, it, it was, it was a bit, yeah, you know, Dogecoin was fun. Like that, that was, it was a joke. Which look at look what, look what happened. But that was uh, as know. good as we could possibly get. There wasn't a lot of room for self-expression when I when I was doing that no. coin sale. It was it was a lot of white papers and and you know people yeah. trying to cheer. About the it. white paper, the white paper that looked like a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. It was phenomenal. Okay, here we go. It, oh my God! This project is going to do fantastic things. It's going to space, and then mm -hmm. within three months, yeah, uh, you, you already know what happened. You know, so yeah. you know lessons learned. But like again, our industry is so much better for it. I I feel like we we are so good at policing ourselves. Like this entire industry, the community is so freaking good at policing uh, itself. But you said something about regulation. And I'm going to tell you that I totally agree. Um, if we want to take that next leg up, we need some sort of regulation in right. this space in order for us to go ahead and take that next step. So I totally, mm -hmm. as I was listening to you trying to find a reception around Bumble, you know, I was about to cuss, but I'm going to hold that back so you don't get unmonetized. I think there. we're a lot of couples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but finding, you know, to go ahead and take the next step uh, forward, you, you need some sort of regulation, but you need regulation with clarity. That's the biggest thing. You can't just put out regulation and not have clarity with it. And that, once that clarity is there, the sky's the limit for, and especially for the U.S. The U.S. has a big stake in this. We don't want our innovators going off to Aruba or to yeah. Uh, let, let's name it down, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, I can keep going, Belarusia, right. they're accepting it. I mean, like, why should we lose our innovators to other countries when we can keep it here and gain revenue that we, that we need? We need revenue. So why have, why have um, the most intelligent people that we have in the United States of America leave? No, bring clarity, bring these regulations that are crypto friendly, and watch us boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So David, I saw in your Twitter bio, you are a board ape owner, you collect some NFTs. So I have a couple questions regarding NFTs. One, are you diamond hands in your ape? Are you holding it forever? Do you have an exit strategy for it? Or, and also what other NFTs are you excited about? Maybe some that you've bought recently. I'm curious your thoughts on the NFT ecosystem. First of all, uh, I in 2017, I was introduced to NFTs, and 
Um, I was actually introduced to NFTs by Ken Bozak. Shout out to Ken Bozak. The OGs of this space uh, were talking about, oh, check out the art. It's going to be crypto art, crypto art. And I'm like, no, I'm not into this. Sure. And um, because I, 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 I wasn't open-minded enough to go ahead and see it. I thought NFTs would really be good in titling. You know, moving forward, titling with NFTs makes sense to me. Uh, but now, you know, I sat back for the last, I would say, year, and I, I understand. And there's a this space is a necessity, especially for people who are creative, real artists. It, it, it gives it a, people an opportunity to go ahead and be successful. And when I say that, the people that I don't know if you guys have ever been to New York City Times Square, but there are artists out there that do a phenomenal job at, uh, job at creating art. They would never have the opportunity that they have now to go ahead and make the amount of money that they can make now sure. if the NFT space wasn't around. This industry, you know, a lot of people, you know, yeah, there are the 10% that come out with these crocodiles and all this crap, you know. Yeah, we get it, but there are one of ones, uh, true artists that come out here that I want to grab a, a hold of their of their uh, you know mm -hmm. artwork. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Think it's just the starting point before we head mm -hmm. into titling. Ti yeah, so, so titling. You're talking about records, like like uh, you know, you're talking about titles, real estate uh, deeds. What are we talking about in terms? What are you? What use case are you talking about there? Like, like, like I'm gonna give a shout out to prop. Where you know uh, you can exchange deeds. Oh, you want to buy my house? We can do it via NFT. I right. mean, it makes paperwork so much simpler. I mean, if I can go ahead and give you the title to my car, uh, if I sell you my car, here's an NFT. Give me, like, just give me your wallet. I'll send it off. Done deal. We're done with paperwork. We don't have sure. to. Look, Alfa Romeo came out. Alfa Romeo came out or is coming out with a car which is embedded with an NFT. Do you know how much money, number one, that owner is going to make on resale? Number two, service. They'll know everything about the car's history. So right. forget Carfax. Carfax is better get with the game. Mm -hmm. You know, the car Carfax better come out with an NFT if they want to stay alive because that in itself, NFT embedded into a vehicle, that's the technology that I'm looking for. Right. Forward to, excuse me. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, and once you look at it that way, um, of course, it'd be enormously uh, helpful in anything having to do with provenance or logistics. Uh, you can you can use it and combine it with like uh, infrared technology to scan, um, you know, crates coming off of uh, ships and so forth. I mean, really, like I, I tend to agree with David, who I, I think might be frozen at the immediate moment. But but I agree with David that uh, definitely like, you know, what, what blockchain keeps records better than it does anything else. That's essentially what it does is a ledger after all. Um, so it definitely, I can see how, you know, medical records, uh, titles, uh, to, uh, to a property titles to cars and so forth, how, how it could be enormously important there. And, and that could be something that everybody has. Whereas right now only a few people have apes. 100%. Yeah. And when people say NFTs are digital art, I mean, I cringe a little bit because it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? And I try and give them examples. There's NFTs as mortgages now that you can take out liens against your home and represent it as an NFT. You can do so many different things. You can get financial positions uh, like on Uniswap that are NFTs. You can do, like you said, car loans, um, identity, 
healthcare records. There's so many different things that will be NFTs. And a question mm -hmm. I start asking is how many NFTs do you think you'll have in 10 years? And people will probably be like, I don't want NFTs. Like, I don't care about the art. Like, I'm not about to spend $50,000 on some dumb profile picture. And right. I'll say, well, actually, like, it's pretty likely that you'll have 100 NFTs in 10 years from now because, you know, your mm -hmm. identity, all your records, like, uh, your, license, your passport. Right. Yeah. And once Ethereum 2.0 comes out and they solve the scalability problem, which won't actually happen at the merge, that's a misconception. Uh, but once they implement sharding and, and parallel blockchains, the, the fees will be so cheap that the use case for NFTs will grow so much because right now, you can't use an NFT to represent something of value under $100 because it costs $100 to mint the NFT. But imagine all the different things that are non-fungible in your life that you could keep track of that have some sort of value that are under $100. That's when most of the innovation comes, right? When we see innovation, the, the majority of innovation usually comes when the technology gets cheap enough to actually experiment well on the blockchain. I, I think we're probably seeing that some on alternative layer ones, but I think once ETH is able to scale and we have this ecosystem of apps we can already use, then that's going to change the entire game because you can innovate so much more when you have a five cent gas fee instead of you know testing yeah. something and it's $50 every time you want to transact. So once we see that, I mean, I think everybody is going to have hundreds of NFTs representing basically everything that's non-fungible in their life that has value. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'm really interested in seeing not only where um, where content creators like Gary Vee is very fond of talking about can take this, but, uh, but um, you know, all, also uh, what kind of innovations we, we will see around this. I, I think that ultimately it will become, um, as you said, just sort of a part of day-to-day of -day life, essentially. Like, it's another form of ownership. I mean, look, I, I always got that feeling. One of my favorite people to talk to uh, is, is Alex Salnikov uh, from, uh, from Rarible. He's like one of, my, one of my favorite in the NFT space. Just because he's got that digital ownership thing like so down. Um, he said to me during the first interview with him, something like, uh, the most valuable thing I own, he's the co-founder of Rarible, the most valuable thing I own is this laptop. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, this is a whole lifestyle thing, isn't it? Like basically he's he's living the digital ownership dream, which right now only a few are doing, but I sure can see how it makes sense. Uh, physical objects are a lot harder to uh, to keep perfect and keep track of, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah, my car is dented up and worth probably a tenth of what my mutant ape is worth, but my mutant ape is in pristine condition. So, <laughs> yeah, I I understand that for sure. So I I wonder wonder if our audience you got you guys should should comment if, if you if you had an ape if you just had one now you know by by some genie wish some some trick of fate appears appears in your wallet all things being equal. Do you hold or do you sell? I mean, how much are we talking about here, Ryan? What's what's the floor price right now? Uh, Mutant apes are around 50,000 and, and board apes are around 200. Yeah, around 200,000. I mean, so that means you get a payout of about 120 in the U.S. because literally like 80,000 is going to taxes, which is awful. But, mm. you know, do you do you offboard it and, and sell it? 120,000 is a lot of loot or do you hold on to that? It, and it's... Uh, I don't know. I get the feeling that everybody like like holds. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of secondary trading, so that so that isn't true. But you know, um, most of the hardcore NFT collectors they do not seem to be in in it for the sake of. They're not just trying to flip. They're trying to mm -hmm. pick projects that they can adore forever. 
And it's interesting too, when you go on OpenSea, you can see what the price was for the buyer um, who's now selling the NFT. And a lot of times, even today, you'll see they bought it at 0.1 ETH, 0.2 ETH, 0.3 ETH, which a lot of people have that kind of money in cryptocurrency, right? I mean, that's a few hundred dollars and now they're selling it for six figures. So a lot of these people are very convicted and they probably don't want to sell. But when they come across money like that, that they may have never seen before considering the investment they made just a few months ago. I mean, a lot of people are really convicted and you still see a lot of people that either minted or got in under one Ethereum and are still holding and they're not even listing them for sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and it gets to be a whole thing. Once you start offboarding any of your your properties, once you start liquidating them, you're subject to capital gains tax and now you've got now you've got a whole other situation. I mean, it's nice to be able, if you're already holding crypto, to be able to flip the crypto over and then buy NFTs with that and then watch it appreciate in two different ways. But in terms of like trying, you know, I've seen success stories just doom scrolling on Twitter. People being like, you know, I, I just bought my mom's house. I just, or I just bought a house for my mom. I just bought, you know, my own first home. Like people are, are really make like the creators themselves are really benefiting. But, um, some stories among among holders are are also uh, are also like really seeing kind of these real these real life uh, benefits. But um, it must be hard to let go of your uh, of your most precious holdings. They do. There is a lot of emotional attachment there. Yeah, especially if it's your only one too. So that's like one of the statistics I like to look at when I'm looking at an NFT is the number of holders versus the number of NFTs in the collection. Mm-hmm. Because if they only have one and it's their profile picture, they're probably more attached to it they're less likely to sell. But, you know, if they have five of them, they're probably planning to sell at least a few of them uh, when the price appreciates. That's why they have so many. Um, so that's a key statistic I really like to look at when I'm when I'm researching NFTs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, you know, where where do we take from here? Do we have any idea on the uh, on the whereabout uh, whereabouts of David? Have we have we? Uh, he popped back in for a second and he must have left again. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he's still having some trouble with his connection. Right. Uh, yeah. In the chat, guys, if you have any coins you want us to look at, shoot it in the chat. It's not a busy day in the chat, so we will get to your coins. We'll talk about it. Maybe play a little bit of Moon or Bust. We don't do it too often anymore. Uh, but when we started the show, Justin, uh, the last 10 minutes would be Moon or Bust. And what we'd do is we would take coins from the chat and then give our opinions and say if it's a Moon or if it's a Bust. Okay. All right. Uh, that would be funny. Yeah. We'll see. Um, we'll see if anyone wants us to view their coins. But so, are, are you are, are you big into NFTs, right? I never really talked to you about them. So NFTs, yeah. I actually funny story. Logan and I had a computer class back in high school, and we got exposed to NFTs through Crypto Kitties. We were playing that uh, back right. in the day. We really didn't even know what it was all about. Like, sure, that was the reason I got a MetaMask wallet in the first place was for Crypto Kitties because I heard about right. it and I thought it was a cool thing to try and test out. And now everybody's saying NFTs will onboard the masses to crypto. A lot of people sure. say that, and I think that's funny because you know I've been in it now four years, and the reason I actually got a MetaMask wallet was for NFTs before NFTs were really a thing. They were just 721 tokens. Um, But I'm not I'm not huge in NFTs. I don't grind discords. Uh, I I don't really mint NFTs too often. Um, And I I think a lot of them are are, are too risky for my risk tolerance. 
Um, that's why I, I got the Mutant Ape. I think the brand is really big. It's very established. And when we see a long-term bear market, if I'm still holding on to it, I, I'm pretty convicted it will come back when the bull market continues. People will remember Bored Apes. People will remember CryptoPunks. And outside of those two, there might be another three to five collections that people like really remember. And I'd say you know they'll probably come back. But I don't want to be holding on to something that could go to zero, especially when I'm paying Ethereum for it. And I'm, I'm so bullish on Ethereum already. Right. So. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's interesting to note that uh, you know people buy for reasons other than just profit after all. And that really is that's the secret sauce that NFTs tapped into. I, I was there for um, a, a lot of, the, you know, even including some pretty ridiculous rah-rah parties and trying to hype people up, uh, up on telegram and so forth when we were going to like an ico i was i was there for uh you know 15 icos or something like that in like 20 2017 and 2016 2018 um and what david said is absolutely true it's like nfts brought like personality to the space i mean up until then uh you know um dogecoin was, was about that was about as funny and and personalized and adorable as it got um, I think the reason why it's so good to have the artists come into the space, part of the reason why I like to talk to them, like they bring these outside ideas. It, it, it's like when uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, LARPing, which is to like, you know, I was Dungeon Dragons player. So LARPing as in dressing up with a pretend sword and going and hitting each other over the head. That was a fairly dorky activity by main, by mainstream mm -hmm. standards, but cosplay. So like, in other words, <laughs> like gender balance it a little bit and make it a little bit more, uh, more mainstream. And, and, and all of a sudden it's almost cool as a phenomenon, at least compared to playing Dungeon Dragons and LARPing and stuff. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of like that. It's like brought fun into the space and personality where we're like, and self-expression where it really wasn't there before. 100% and more diversity, right? I mean, definitely. definitely more diversity. We see artists come in that were never in crypto before, and mm -hmm. we see more women come in through NFTs. I mean, finance yeah. traditionally is very male dominated, so is computer mm -hmm. science. But with NFTs, we're getting into the art sector and some other different industries that are you know not as male dominated so that's great to see that nfts are bringing more diversity into the space too and i mean DAOs could be next to do that um as an organization i mean that could really onboard a ton of people too i, I think we're probably still a, a year or two out though until we see DAOs really take off in the way i want to see yeah the, the thing the thing about it it's like uh talking to somebody who is uh says that they're vegan and then as you talk to them finding out they're not really vegan like i just want to see more dow projects that are actually you know functioning as DAOs with uh voting systems that are actually making decisions like don't you hear that about a million times a year it's like oh yeah we're a DAO, or you know kind of vaguely we're planning to be mm -hmm. oh really have you voted on your first first cohort of projects that that you're going to fund or whatever uh, we're about to we'll be doing that in q1 like that it, it seems to be kind of where everyone is right now i mean like with exceptions uh some of the bigger players i know that binance is already if uh or bnb uh chain is already a, is already a functioning dow for example but like i don't run into it all that often i mean do you find that ryan we've got many more people saying they are that than actually are so i mean it's really hard right now because the term we use is dow but dow can be uniswap it can be meta cartel like an investment DAO. it can be a collector DAO for nfts it could be uh like a million different things so we definitely need like a better naming system for these things because mm -hmm. like uniswap a token that has governance and you can control a protocol like uniswap 
that's vastly different than a DAO like Meta Cartel, which funds ventures and has like an active community sure. of contributors. So the landscape, I think, is completely different based on what type of DAO we're talking about. Um, that being said, I do see the problems that you're talking about, Justin, uh, especially for these like bigger token DAOs and for like NFTs that are saying they're launching a DAO, like maybe they have one that's not really operational. It's at this point, it is kind of a buzzword, right? Like, like saying yeah. you're creating a metaverse. That's kind of how I see it with a lot of these, especially the NFT projects right now saying they're going to create a DAO. Um, that being said, when I was at ETH Denver, the coolest event I went to as far as the people there was the event surrounding DAOs. Those guys, you know, there were core Ethereum devs there that were coding Ethereum before it even came out. There were like guys that were used to have a past life. Uh, there, I met a Michigan alumni who uh, was practicing law and now he doesn't do any law. He does, he does four DAOs. Um, mm -hmm. And these guys just, they were very impressive and, and I'm very confident that they're going to take this space to the next level over the next few years. You and Logan already have a little DAO going on, don't we you? We do, yeah, the MDAO. And we were actually at that event to pitch the MDAO uh, yeah. and we got accepted to an accelerator program, which is very exciting. Oh, that's great. You didn't even mention that. That's great. Yeah. yeah so we, we've been in some meetings with uh, actually Meta Cartel and Metapod. It's through Metapod. Uh, that's why I have the little Metapod Pokemon up there, actually. Um, fun fact. Yeah, that little guy. But um, yeah, that starts this week. I'm really excited for it. There's huge names in the DAO space will be there. Tons of big DAOs. And hopefully we'll get some really good guidance and uh, some sponsorships some funding. And we're going to take it to the next level over the next few months. That's awesome. Congratulations. I had no idea. I know that you had quite an adventure out there and had a little bit of trouble getting back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, another thing, if we're uh, since we're just approaching the last couple of minutes of the show, you know, in terms of announcements, there is a huge hackathon going on right now for uh, the BNB uh, BNB uh, chain is doing a big hackathon. They're really trying to encourage encourage participation right now. That's awesome. Is it a, a virtual hackathon? Can anyone join? Uh, um, yes, I, I think so. Actually, I. Uh, now, I don't have the URL in front of me, which I should post that. I'll try and post that with the description. But um, no, that's that's really cool that you, that you got out there and be and we're able to do that. Was it, it just kind of like a a pitching competition or or uh, like was it like a Shark Tank format? Yeah, it was a, a pitching competition. It was pretty informal, just a five minute pitch, and uh, like we were in their Discord for a while. We applied, and then there were a couple rounds. And if you made it to the final round, they had an event in East Denver that we went to. So. Yeah, very cool stuff. Speaking of announcements, Justin, you're starting your very own crypto show. Uh, yeah, just yeah. after Monday, you knocked it out of the park with Logan. Uh, people want to see you, right? So you're starting your own crypto show. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and what time is it at? What's your vision? Tell us a little bit about that before we wrap up. It's it's about it's at 11 to 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, you know, what I'm going to do is for the most part, I'll probably make use of these interviews. I mean, like I, I speak to uh, a lot of really fascinating people. And one thing, if I, I was going to say back to David, uh, when we were talking about how NFTs are bringing personality to the space is that I've had the honor of, of interviewing so many interesting people, uh, like Serge, uh, Tankian from, uh, from system of a down, um, uh, Ja rule, Jordan Belfort, Tim Draper. Uh, so people like pe a good mix of people from in the space and also from outside of the space. I think Julie Pacino is going to come on and talk. She's the, uh, the first producer who has, uh, at this point, uh, funded a feature film 
through NFTs. And I think she'll come on um, and talk to me on Tuesday. Uh, like I love to have uh, conversations like that. I love to do interviews. And uh, frankly, so many of the people I, I meet are just such amazing people. Like Julie, Julie's just amazing and completely unpretentious and uh, doing really cool things, working with like fundraising around NFTs. So it's going to be a cool show. I, I, I look forward to doing it. And it's, it's uh, I think Logan's going to going to help uh, ride along with me for the for the first uh, week or two. And we'll see how that goes. But um, but it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Do you have a name for it yet? Right now, it's just being handed to me, and it's called like Benzinga Crypto Podcast. Okay. So I don't know if it has to stay that or uh, if I if I. Uh, no, I, I think you're uh, the mind behind this. You're the creative. If you want to change name the name, something? All right, I should yeah. name it something. People in comments, tell me what I should name it. Somebody, you know, come on, <laughs> chime in there. Um, but no, it's really cool. I'm very much looking forward to it. Awesome, good stuff. Well, it's 3 p.m., Justin. So let's wrap it up before we do. Ryan on chain is my Twitter guys. I have 998 followers. I need two of you to follow me. We have 180 in the chat. So, I mean, that's not a bad conversion rate. I just need two of you. Uh, I'm begging at this point, guys. Just, just I'll, I'll go tell my wife to follow you. That's two, man. You're just Thank you, Justin. I, appreciate I probably that. don't follow you. And I, I do. I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm at sensible on Twitter as well. Uh, say hi guys. I, I, I know, uh, you know, Logan's probably more fun than me, but I'll, I'll be dropping in on this, uh, show from time to time and uh it's been cool hanging out with all you guys today with chime secure credit card you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments get started at chime.com build the chime credit builder visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp bank na or stride bank na members fdic results may vary see chime.com for details terms and conditions apply go to chime.com disclosures for details for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Peace out, guys. All right, take care.